Hello, what is good? Welcome to the Remotely Social Podcast, the College Arc, episode number three. On this episode, I'm talking to my good friend Donovan. It's a great friend that I met in college, and we've stayed in touch ever since graduation. And just seeing like what he's doing in his life is great. And being able to have conversations with him once in a while is a blessing. On this episode, we mainly spoke about the main topic of the arc, college, but we focus more so on being black in college that is majority white. This episode is a bit longer than all the other episodes so far that I've put out, but it's definitely worth it because the conversation just is, it's a great conversation. Honestly, it's one of my favorites. I know that's hard to believe because I put out some smashes within these past couple of weeks, but this one is a, it's a really good one. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's It was a fun episode for me to record. I hope you guys have fun listening to it. And let's get into it. This is Remotely Social, the podcast, the college arc, episode number three. If you can be a Karen, I can be a Kareem. We all did like a lot of a lot of fun things, and, <laughs> and you know me from experience. Like I was, I was one who was about the fun. Right, right. <laughs> I want to know, but in your like in your college experience, personally, <laughs> what do you miss? And you know, we've always been, we were always a group. You always had our separate. We have always had our separate, you know, little cliques. But I, the times that we all did come here, we always casual and um, cordial friends. Um, close oh, friends, not just cordial, but like, you know, very close friends who just had yeah. our own little different dips and different kinds of people. But, um, 100%. you, but we, we've, we've been in spaces in which we have, um, <laughs> experienced and tried different things. And <laughs> like what? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> Vague ass nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we have consumed so much enough alcohol to completely destroy our livers to this day but god bless the fact oh, yeah, that we 100%. still have them you know we still have uh-huh. them we can still drink and we're doing that currently to this day um the things that yeah. i miss about <laughs> college i'm not gonna lie is the safety net that college gave me and there was mm-hmm. so much shit that i can try without facing real mature repercussions of it 100%. and like Getting drunk, knowing how, knowing what my limit is, because my limit has changed. I would love to find out what it is now, but I got to work the next day. So it's hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you get to try out so many different kinds of relationships with nobody's heart being broken too much. Um, like, you know, it, and you get to try out so many different um, activities, so many different, uh, there's so many different recreational things that you could, that I, you know, you could try and just not, it wouldn't take too much of your time. So many different friend groups that you can, mm-hmm. you can see that if you can fit into. But I'm not going to lie. I guess because I had two two answers to the question, right? Now, <laughs> <laughs> the child in me, the child in me, right? Uh-huh. I miss just the simplicity of homework is done. Grab yeah. the bottle. Call friends to see where they're at. <laughs> And then yeah. we're going to the we're going to the party, and the 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 real okay, gag yeah. is that the pregame was the walk. So 
I, <laughs> you had a pre pregame. Right, you you know, walked like, to the pregame, but right. you were pregaming in the walk, and then you pregame. Exactly. Gotcha. You know, the, the yeah. party might have been half a mile, a mile away, and you, you had no business walking. We mm-hmm. had, but we also wanted to be at our prime drunk. That I don't think people. That, I'm sorry to the people who haven't experienced a prime drunk. What's a prime drunk? A prime drunk is when like <laughs> everything's moving, but you feel great. Like yeah. you don't feel you don't feel queasy. You don't feel like you're about to throw up. You're conscious, but everything is just a little bit in slow motion, and you're just perfect. And yeah. At that point, you're probably down to do whatever your friends tell you to do, which I, I'm not going to say is a good or bad thing. It depends on your friends. But I feel like a lot of times it's a bad thing. Like I've had some <laughs> friends be like, yo, <laughs> I've definitely had some friends be like, yo, you should t- go talk to that girl. Meanwhile, I am too drunk to even speak, listen, let alone talk listen, to another person. Fully in commi- sometimes fully in committed relationships and your friends be like, bro. And then you just like, <laughs> you just got the devil. Like, yo, bro, angel she's feeling you. She's feeling you. Right, you got the devil and angel on your shoulder, and the angel is intoxicated. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, and the angel's like, "Yeah, you should do. You should go right. talk to that girl. Do your shit, bro. Do your shit." But, and uh, I guess the so the child part of me definitely misses simplicity of just going out, having fun at a party, and just you know letting yourself vibe out and having that. I feel like now there's a lot of stuff that I have to be conscious of, even in yeah. terms of self image and like how you carry because you're in a professional space and you never know who you might see. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I miss not having having that responsibility on my back um in the professional in a professional sense not even a professional but more in a social sense um i miss the uh the access to social groups and that's those social groups can include organizations um mm-hmm. different uh faculty and staff um committees you know and being involved mm-hmm. in those um social um community slash campus action groups you know um where those mm-hmm. aren't there are so many th- different ones within your own like you know professional community your local community and it's hard to find one where you can find a niche in um like you know i i, I am a part of a fraternity so that does make it easier to hone in on which ones would yeah, be easier definitely. but um i definitely felt like as soon like when i as soon as i got out of college like for the mm-hmm. for the six to six to you know six to nine months after i got out it was definitely a hard part of me adjusting myself to now like the transition right where 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 are my niches where can i where can I fit in and still feel the same kind of, you know, childlike interest that I felt when I was in college in all these different groups mm-hmm. and what they're saying? But that, yeah. We were talking about a couple of times being a person in col- of color in the school that we went to came up. Mm. What was your experience with that? And I think that's very, for me, this is a very, um, I guess for lack of a better term, crucial and um, important thing to talk about, mainly because of like what's going on currently, because there's been a couple of issues with the school that we went to currently. And like, I see a lot of things going on where there's, there's a lot of like race relation struggles going on right now. Right. And I want to know personally with you, what was your experience being um, a black man? in a- uh, So look at the camera. Look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, uh, being it's interesting. It was the first place I ever experienced overt racism. Um, yeah, uh, and it, it literally was it the way it happened. I just I was just like I guess I just experienced racism for the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess so because I was on the phone, I was walking to my home. 
of the apartment that um, I lived at the time. And then uh, there was a red pickup truck that just drove by. It was like four um, young to middle-aged white guys and they yeah. on plaid shirt, red hat. Um, and they were like, just, they the just uniform, the, car. the racist yeah, uniform. Yeah, you know, they just, yeah. <laughs> they just yell out of the car, nigger. And I was just on the phone and I was just like, yeah, I've had that. And some deals like, why'd you stop talking? And I was like, uh, I just got called nigger on some like <laughs> white people's car. And they was like, oh, and, like, they started panicking on the phone. And yeah. it was like, are you good? Okay. I said, I'm fine. Like, I, I'm good. I, I mean, it, it, it's it's a problematic because I could have been any yeah. type of black person, you know, like honestly, for the fact that I'm six, five, um, mm-hmm. you know, big black man, like it just people typically like I get verbally tried more than ever physically tried. Um, probably more than probably if had I been a black woman, a small black woman out on the street it, or, yeah. or uh, more probably a smaller looking black man who. Um, they could have felt as though they could have, you know, made a physical demonstration of it could have turned out any other way. So I am grateful in that mm-hmm. sense. But in terms of being black, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I can sit back and I sit back and reflect on. And I'm just like, you know, what? it's not fair. Even like and I think so much about the entertainment scene to college kids. Like, you know, honestly, yeah. like going out, partying, like going to these events, going out to these concerts. Like it's such an integral part of being a college student, you know, like. That's where you mm-hmm. learn what you love to do in terms of just like hobbies and stuff like that. That's where you go and connect with people in so many different spaces. Like, you know, you may connect with somebody over a drunk night, you know, somebody helps you get home and that's a yeah. lifelong friendship, <laughs> you know, like. And Bro, the, the amount of I numbers started, I have in my phone from drunk nights that I don't even remember how that listen, happened and they're my friends to this day. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's so it's mind. like, um, so. And within Oswego, like, a lot of things were shifting. Like, a lot of the blatant things on campus, those things happen. And I never, I don't want to detract from it, you know, but, like, those things happen. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, like, what on at our, what we faced the most was definitely, like, we didn't felt as though we were being treated fair um, mm-hmm. as, like, as black people when it came to us wanting to have fun, us wanting to relax, us wanting to just be by You're saying more so, like, by the administration. Yes, and More in the community too. Like there would, um, like there were times where it, we, like we literally, like kind of did our own like little investigation, where like we found yeah. out that the police were, the, we were being policed more for our entertainment settings than white people were for yeah. their entertainment settings. You know, like they would, like blatantly walk, like drive past white houses or like you know white people just like not pay attention to white houses but whenever black people were just whenever there were probably like four or more black people in one space and it was you know there was music playing police were incoming and like i just mm. they were like you know even on social media like the um a lot of the the locals spoke so bad about like just seeing black people out but it was never a case when they saw white people out like they didn't react which to was even like, like yeah like and it just no. I was gonna mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my bad. No, my bad. I was just gonna say, um, which is crazy because like what um the majority of the neighbor area was white, um, of the town, and also the majority of the the college was mm-hmm. white, and the majority of parties that were went down were with white organizations, white groups. So like frat parties, um, um, uh, specific sports teams, rugby, um wrestling hockey what have you right it, those were the majority of the um 
of the late night social gatherings that were happening. And yeah, it's interesting to hear that because um, I kind of knew that it was going on, but also I I would be in and out the mix. It wasn't for me. It was like I'd be there one day and um, gone the next day. And so I never like connected the two. So hearing right. that more so is like um more so eye opening for me. Right. And, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm never going to sit here and say like, oh, police just leave us alone. Like. They're technically, you know, it's against the law to have that much people in your house to have music that loud, you know, like, and in and a lot sometimes of cases, dudes be wilding. Right. And, and right. And, you know, alcohol has been, we're not going to say an echo. Alcohol has been involved a lot of times. Like, yeah, not that I've ever had alcohol or have given alcohol to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> alcohol was involved. Allegedly. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, <laughs> Not that I would know. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, they, they think they're involved. Like, you know, I've gone to predominantly white parties and, like, they have had cocaine, like, on plate. Like, oh, yeah. You catch me? Like, yeah. I've... I've had a plate served. I have literally have had it served, like, on a platter and they was like, yo, you want some? And I was just like, Whoa. You know, and it's just like yeah. everybody has everybody has their own thing. There's so many things that, but and my thing, like I said, I'm not telling the police they're wrong for policing. It's just if you're gonna police, police everybody. You catch me? Like if yeah. you're if police that's fairly, what you're, right? Like if if you told me that nobody at Oswego was able to have any of these things, I'd have been like, okay, you know, like mm-hmm. nothing I could do. There, there's really just like you know, it is what it is. Um, but when I just find out, like yeah. you know, there are about four white parties out tonight, and then. The black party that was had is just, you know, police are already there and it's not even 1030, you know, and there wasn't mm-hmm. even anybody there, you know, like, um, and then I find out that from the other parties, they were like, white people were fighting in the street and all the police did was just, you know, tell them to stop, you know, like, let's tell the white people yeah. to stop, but they didn't do anything with the party at all. Like, that's when I start having. Yeah, there's an intrinsic bias there. Right. And it's just. And that's what I'm not gonna lie. I started telling people. I was like, "Yo, y'all, y'all tight. Call the police on the white party." <laughs> I was just like, "If, if, listen, if, if yeah. we want to be fair, I was like, yo, y'all think y'all might call me petty for it, but I'm like, okay, if we getting the police called on us, I'm calling the police on everybody. If they have the right to do it, I can. Yeah. Too. If you can be a Karen, I can be. If a these Karen. are the rules. These are the rules. Right." <laughs> you could be a carrot i could be a kareem <laughs> right, i could be a kareem come on like i i will be that like i it's fine like and literally i will want yeah. it for the fact that if one person can't have it nobody can have it and that's the south when i was raised up in but people call it petty but i'm like yeah. it, it's true like i feel like we should all, all have the same access to we should have the um same access to all the same facilities at the same time so mm-hmm. if they want us to start using on campus everybody has to start using it and now we all have like you know we all have to set up we all have to figure out how can we allocate space so that everybody can do what they want and that was my thing and that's what that's just mainly where i felt as though we were as black people um externally where we were getting a lot of pushback um mm-hmm. internally um I don't know. I don't want to speak on yeah, that. I, I'm, I I'm very curious about that from like students to student. Right. And it's, and honestly, I, I won't make any general statements because I can't like, I'm not going to put my idea into anybody said that they were responding to this way. And this, this is what they were receiving. But honest, personally, yeah. I, I did feel as though, um, 
a lot of the black people had a hard time connecting. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes I'm not saying you gotta be friends with anybody. I'm not saying you have to be close or personal with everybody, but there is, Mm -hmm. there is something that, um, internally connects us all together. And that is being Mm -hmm. black. (laughs) That is being the minority. That is, um, being marginalized that it's so many it, it's we're connected by history <laughs> you know like we're connected by so many things and that i wouldn't say that alone makes me become your friend but that alone makes me care and love you. like no it definitely helps because of the fact that we have um similar experiences so right. like being black in the u.s not to say and not even in the sense of like all our experiences are negative in the sense of like mm. we all know what like it feels like to be at a barbecue or a cookout we we know that right. experience um, mm-hmm. I didn't know know how to play spades until like <laughs> fucking like three months ago. I still don't but know, so. spades, <laughs> but like just just as an example, and right. not to be like yo, all black people know how to play spades because we don't know how to play spades. Exactly. But like that's a thing. That's another connector. Like there's a lot of shared experiences that as black right. people in the U.S. we do have, mm-hmm. and so most definitely. And then like even on the other side, white people have that as well, right. which is. Which is like for me, it's always it's always been an interesting thing because in um where we went to school, everybody it seemed like the black kids and the white kids or like the students of color and the students that were white, they lived mm-hmm. in silos almost. Obviously, there were people to um intermingle mm-hmm. between um those silos, but it seemed like a lot of the times, like all, a lot of my black friends only hung out with my black friends and a lot of my white friends hung out with my white friends and Mm -hmm. and me (laughs) like the amount of white friends i had in school and there and i was just like am i your only black friend and they were kind of just like nah we got this person and it'd be like one other black dude that was from like that was that was from like syracuse right right so he like yeah and so it was a very interesting thing for me to experience because of the fact that it's like I think a lot of the racism that went down in um, our, our alma mater was due to mainly like ignorance and not to like put ignorance on a negative thing. It's just like if you don't interact with these people, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to know how to interact with these people. Exactly. And then once you once you have no interaction, you automatically view these people as the other. And that's not I don't think that's a healthy way for any community sh- to to act right. where they go. We're we're us and we're a community and we're family, but that's the other and they do X, Y, and Z. Exactly. And not even in the sense where people like make fun of it, like I'm all for that, but when you look at other people's differences and go, That's wrong, I think that's where things get fucked exactly. up. Exactly. Like you, it there just needs to be more communication, I felt like. And even with even with black people, I've I, I always like to play a little devil's advocate. Um, because mm-hmm. like I just I don't like baseless statements. If, if I'm yeah. being honest, and it doesn't matter what what race it comes from, like if you give me a statement, opinion, or and uh, your point of view, and it's literally fully backed up, and and you know everything behind it, but that you still choose to have that decision, I may not agree with it, but I can respect you for having mm-hmm. that decision, uh, and it's a well educated decision. You catch me? But um, yeah, even a lot of stuff that I hear, um, black people say same thing, white people, and let's let's bring up events on campus, right? Let's talk about it. So I remember yeah. I had a conversation with somebody. It was about an event. It was uh, um, it was from one of the cultural organizations, and I was speaking to a mm-hmm. black person. And I remember them saying, like, you know, um, 
And I was talking about an event. I think it was like a what event was it? It was something that like a lot of the a lot of white people go to. Like I don't remember what it was. It might have been something with the orchestra or something like that. Like it was something dope. Like it was different, but it was dope. And I can't remember what it was. Um, Do you remember like what type of entertainment it was? Was it think, uh, music? Was it? I think it was one of the trivia nights. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was, and I was like, yo, yeah. like I remember I had, I had gone there with my ex once, and then like we literally went mad stuff, packaging the rail. Like I was mad excited. Yeah. Like I was like, yo, we are shitting on everybody here. I don't get like I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> I got mad intense at the game. You know, like it. I was excited. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is mad fun. Like you literally get mad stuff. Like I would invite whatever. And then I had a conversation with somebody. I was like, yo, they don't they don't go to anything. They don't go to any stuff that we have. Like they don't care about our stuff. Like you know all this stuff then. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, started getting into like even when um, we would do like the unity peace walks and then uh, we'd hear people yeah. yelling from their dorms talking about like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, um, get off yeah. our campus, niggas. Like it would be mad stuff like being yelled down from that. I remember we walking past Seneca and we just heard a bombardment of hate speech while like, you know, we were just yeah. chanting about equality. Um, and and they were relating it to like those. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. I believe that those are two different kinds of people. I'm not saying that there aren't those that are one and the same, but I do yeah. believe that, honestly, I've had white people tell me, like, yo, I didn't even know that this was happening. Like, you know, nobody ever. Because it's not in the warehouse. They don't, it's, it's such <laughs> a lack of communication. <laughs> they were like, nobody had, and it's, I, they were like, oh, you have a fashion, I love fashion. Nobody has ever told us that there was, like, you know, an annual fashion show that y'all do. Like, And there was like, sometimes I yeah. hear that, you know, there's something happening, but nobody in my group will ever know what it is. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I, I can receive that. And I'm like, yo, you know, has anybody, do you walk around the campus center a lot? I said, they say, yeah. I said, do you see like cultural organizations tabling? I said, yeah. I said, has anybody ever gone up to you? Like, you know, like handed you a thing. And it was like, no, I've never, like, I've seen them do dance and stuff like that. And it's really cool. But I never know what they do. Um, and yeah. as much as we can tell people like, oh, do you research? Or, you know, like you can research to find out and there's a there's a part that there's a responsibility that we do have as people that if we do want to find out more about what's going on um uh throughout our community and through different cultures we should but and at this but at the same time there is a job of those who are throwing those things to be very um non-biased with who we're expressing Mm -hmm. right um we that and especially with sorry to cut you off mm -hmm. but with the like I've been hearing that whole term, like, do your own research type situation. Sometimes people don't know that they have to do research. And to I think to be like to for to be like, oh, it's your responsibility to teach these people something. I think that's incorrect as well. I wouldn't say, OK, so as the, mm-hmm. these people, it's your responsibility to do so. I don't agree with that. But I do think that it helps if you if you have the time and you and if you can. Why not? I do think at certain times it does help, but also I don't think that it's the responsibility of a person to go like, yeah, because I'm a marginalized right. group, I need to go out and tell everybody whatever. But right. I, I think there's a positive within that if you right. want to do it. My black ass can't teach. <laughs> I, I <laughs> My mother can't teach. I remember at one point we was like back in my home in Brooklyn she was trying to teach me a math yeah. problem. I wasn't get it. She had a plastic cup in her hand. She got frustrated. She threw it at me. And I just, you know, ever since that day, I realized that we're not, we're not teachers, you know? Some people <laughs> don't teach. Yeah. Some people can't teach. And I give it to those. And it's not for everybody, you know? Like, I can bring people into Most a situation definitely. and I can tell them, like, 
just receive it. You know, I always tell people like, you know, just receive what you're what you're taking in right now. And if you have any questions, I can help fill you in on like little yeah. things. But I can't. It's hard for me to sit here and give you the foundation to all that stuff when I'm not qualified to do it. Um, no, most definitely. So it's like I I think there there's a level of quote unquote middleness that you do have to have in terms of I think everybody yeah. every race needs to be forward. And honestly, if they're interested, that too, like you do have a level of autonomy with what you want to learn. And honestly, if mm-hmm. you choose not to learn, if you choose not to learn about something, you have no right to speak on that thing. And in my opinion, you have the right to choose yeah. whether or not you, you can learn about black culture or not. If you choose not to learn about black culture, black stereotypes and black, um, their so-called context that we live in as black people, I don't think you should say anything about black people if you don't want, if you don't want to learn it. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're not opening to learning about this group, you can't give your us, opinions you about said groups aren't as valid. It's like, right. if I don't know, it's like, if I go, I'm not, I don't feel like learning quantum physics, but then I have mad opinions about quantum physics. Right. Talking shit about it and all it's this, like, like, and I'm basing what I'm saying off of the stereotypes I hear about quantum physics, but I've never done the research myself to learn about, are those stereotypes true? What fit? What or don't. even spoken to a quantum physicist. <laughs> 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 Yo, I, have you ever had a conversation with a quantum physicist? No, right. but I, don't, I know I don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> like, what? Like, sir, I, and it, I see that so much, you know, and like, I, I know, like, I don't, I don't talk to my people a lot. Like, I don't, I don't have a base on, like, you know, white culture. Like, and I don't want to say white culture because there's different, there's different facets of, like, you know, um, European. Yeah. I, I literally don't have any other options that pop in mind. But the same speak. thing goes for black. But like, right. I mean, it, I understand what you're saying. You're saying white culture as it pertains to people of said skin color. But right. when you say like black culture, the same thing applies. Like I'm, I'm of African descent. My parents are both from Ghana. Right. Still technically black culture. Right. And it's just, so that's why like, I don't, people don't see me speak on things that I don't, I don't, I don't know about and that I have still, consciously chosen to not know about. I could have learned about so many different things and so many different communities. I could have had so many different kinds of friends. I haven't, yeah. um, I had, what I say is the best decision, no, but that I haven't made that move to do it. It just hasn't happened. And I, I act appropriately to the decisions that I've made. And I guess that's the, kind of the frustration that I've seen a lot as we go from both black and white people. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I've just seen um, black, white, and brown people. Um, it's just I've seen so much opinions and stuff like that, and I've seen some basis claims, and I've seen some of these people spread so much, like, you know, stereotypical words of hate, dislike, and all these things. And I, <laughs> I, it becomes apparent that it doesn't come from anywhere other than, like, the environment. Um, and I'm like, yeah. you know, why, do, why, don't you, why don't you like that? Why, don't you, why do you hate this? Why do you think they're always angry? Why do you think they're rowdy? Why do you think they're thieves? Why do you think... They have no culture. Why do you think, you know, all these things can be thrown at, all these dif- different things can be thrown yeah. at different cultures. I'm like, why do you think that? And I'd be like, I just, whatever. And I'm like, you can always look up to see what, like, even with black people, I know, I've heard white people say things about black people and like, you know, the way they are, like certain black aggressions, whatever. And, um, yeah. and I was like, do you know what socio, and I talk, and sometimes I have conversations when I, when I'm in the, when I'm in the mood. And I was like, do you know what, like, what kind of so- <laughs> like socioeconomic, like, you know, um, environments that black people have, have had to live in within certain areas that have made them like this. Um, mm-hmm. Certain, like black people technically do, a lot of black people within certain areas, like by definition, do have PTSD. And you know, when you, when you yeah. meet, when you meet, 
when you meet people of your, when white people, and I tell the white person, I said, you know, when you meet people of your skin color and they have PTSD and they act certain way aggressive and always on edge, you don't blame them. You guys me like, you know, that they've been through something traumatic and you recognize it, you reconcile with that. And then you're like, okay, like I can understand such and such. Or, and even if you can't deal with it, you'd be like, you know, I need, I know you need some help. You don't screw, you don't screw mm-hmm. And then, but like, because you don't understand that the, the, the environments that black people are born into have to live through. Due to being, due to having to go through the generations of poverty, um, yeah. with no help, um, possibly not having um, both parental parental figures in the house, probably having a toxic environment that they have had no control over. Um, and I'm not saying this is everybody, but there's certain like you know we see that we see certain reoccurring trends when if you when you don't understand what certain people have gone through. It can be very easy to judge people who just act these way, act aggressive, act very protective, um, very defiant. Yeah. Um, and it, and but and at least and there are black people don't know either. But as you know, as somebody who likes to at least I like to come to understand that and know that, and I, I come from a place like that. I'm just um, the way I yeah. received it and the way I express it may just be different than other people. Um, there are people who may express it like me, like you know, so many different ways to. To um, take yeah. it and express it, express it Again, out, like because black people aren't a monolith. Monolith, yeah. It's like it's right. d- different, like different things show themselves in different. One thing can show itself in many ways. Right, right. So it <laughs> being black and very interesting. Being black, I think I'm not gonna lie, and it, it may sound bad. Being black in feels a little futile. <laughs> when you want to be inherently black because you don't get a lot of access to everything. Um, mm-hmm. There is some latent unfair treatment and access to a lot of things. Um, and yeah. then it's, um, and then there's, it's internally, it's futile internally and it's futile externally. Um, and I'm not saying it's always like this 100% of the time. It's just that there are times where it truly does feel that way. And sometimes yeah. you really are at the point where, like, you know what? Like, like, I just, you spend you spend four years, five years, six years, if you continue to do your master's, like, fighting to get access or, like, knowing what it's like to have access at one point, having it taken away, and mm-hmm. just literally never seeing it come back to you that you don't know what to do. <laughs> you just don't. You're just like, you know what? I got my friends. I got my group of friends. We have fun together. We turn it together. Yeah. That's it. You know what? I'm, I'm done speaking. Everything. I'm done going and stuff. I'm just going to whatever. And I've seen a lot of people take that route at us. You go. I don't blame them. Most definitely. For it. It just sucks that. That's you know. the, yeah. It's the. It, it's the biggest issue that I feel like it's like along with this country. But also, like, just in concentrated groups like colleges, if more people spoke to each other and understood how they felt, and maybe not even under, understood, but more people spoke to each other and just listened and heard what the other side was thinking and what the other side felt, right. conversations could be had. Once those conversations could be had, once those conversations are had, right. not to say things will be fixed automatically for that, but at least people know where they stand. And I feel like, right, especially where mm-hmm, where we went to school, it was like no conversations were had, and when the conversations were ha- were had, they were very 
like minuscule it felt like it was very um it was very uh shallow there there right. wasn't much depth to said conversations right and when and whenever anybody wanted to bring up a conversation of depth people were against having it because like say one person on one side would be like if i say this then i may be viewed as this way and mm-hmm. then the other group was just like okay we've been talking about this for years and nobody hears us so what's going to be the difference now right and and also like especially when you spend years talking to the same crowd and honestly yeah <laughs> once again it may sound horrible but having the same conversations with the same people who are in the same situation as you doesn't really doesn't set help. you up in a position for change you know like it now it, it does be- help because you understand that you have a group of people who agree and know your feelings right but as far as progressing eventually right. you can get more progression by having these conversations with right. a wider audience right. wider audience not whiter wider right because <laughs> yeah. like you know it's, it's important <laughs> to teach each other it's important that we all recognize we're on the same page with things and once you get to that point which is not hard it doesn't take long to get to that point you get to that point but then you now you have to transition this conversations and these sort of this kind of decision making and this dynamic to people who are in position to make decisions based on the change you want. Because realistically, yeah. we don't have the power to make those decisions. You catch me like we're not staff, we're not faculty, we're not head of departments, we're not president, yeah. we're not president of the college, you know, we're not chief executive, we're yeah. not any of those things. And when we keep it, when we keep inviting the same people to these conversations, we keep just like repeating the same cycle of conversations and there's no new people being added in. There's no new people who sit at these positions, you know, who are including in it. It's just like we keep it very in-house and in family and nobody in the family. You're preaching to the choir. um, Nobody in the choir has any like, you know, power to do power to um, power to exercise, no whatever, you know, anything like that. Because we're all college you know? Most definitely. And the thing is, like, I, don't, I think that people don't realize that. I think people live in a very nihilist, situ- nihilist mindset where they're just like, if I say something, it's going to make no change. Mm-hmm. And then once you start believing that and then you kind of just um, regurgitate those sentiments between the people who feel like that as well. Right. Then you're 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 absolutely going to get no change. You already mm-hmm. accepted the fact that you're going to get no change, and now you're now that you're now you're having conversations about getting no change right. with the people who believe that there will be no change. Right. But I think I, I and it it's I I always feel weary about seeing this in certain groups because like I feel like there's a lot of people who have given up and they're just like we kind of just want to live in this. But it's like if you really want to make the biggest change of all, you have to be open to. You have to be open from both sides. You have to be open to having conversations with people from the group that you right. consider the, the other. And eventually, these conversations had to lead to a place where you don't consider each other the other. Right. And that, that takes a very heavy... I think that initial... That's the definite initial thing that has to happen. And I think that takes... In a perfect world, that would have to... That would take place in a very universal intimate and intense healing session oh yeah and it's not going to be a comfortable conversation (laughs) not at all all. and and i know this because i've had these conversations with many people Mm -hmm. like for all the people who have been like who i've known who have been like yo kevin only has white friends i've had very uncomfortable conversations with these white friends and some of them um grew to understood my point of view and i guess for lack of a better term have become more 
or have become more empathetic towards it. Right. And some of them have done no different. But I think having these conversations, it I think it helps more than it doesn't. And I think to just kind of just, it's such a weird thing where, and it's such a hard thing because like, you know, there there is that sense of like PTSD when it comes to like being black mm-hmm. or being a person of America in a place that's majority white. Exactly. But the best way to solve these problems is by having conversation with people outside of your group. Mm-hmm. Or a good way, not to say that it's the best way, because there are many different ways. But I think at the end of the day, we have to make everybody feel one. And one doesn't mean like me and you are black, so we're one. But one should mean we're a community of people that are in when it comes to college. We're a community right. of people that go to this college and we're one. But I feel like, especially where we went to school with... <laughs> With everything going down in this past summer, there's going there's there's a there's definitely a divide. Yeah, and it's gonna I think this is the most exposed black people have been to their internal pain. Um yeah. and this is the most vocal and expressive. This is the most he's ever stung, you know? Like um when That's a good he, way to put it, yeah. <laughs> right, because you know it it Especially when when we're young um, and we have all these things going on in our lives, I think it, in a way it's been very easy to kind of like um, live your life. You know, you've kind of you've had opportunity to live your life and not feel so bad about living your life. Um, and that's what I mm-hmm. I've told people that's what I believe has been like the biggest difference between us in our generation and like in the mid 1900s, the activists of their time. I think they didn't have a choice to be who they were. You know what? You know, it was, yeah. it was, you had to be this way to survive because if you didn't, you would have had nothing and we would have had nothing to this day. I think we're in a space and time where we have, we have at least a little bit more freedom to yeah. express ourselves, learn what it means to express ourselves, learn what it means to kind of challenge some of the, um, challenge some of the traditions, um, and original thoughts that we were that were you know thrown down our ancestors though and then thrown down our throat and we had a chance to explore what we believe is right and wrong um but and when you witness and i always i've, I've said this since the time that um george floyd's death and i yeah. said and everybody i was having a conversation with a lot of people and they were wondering like you know what makes this death different than the other um, police brutality killings, you know, Eric Garner, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. and Trayvon Martin. And I said, there has never been such a physical display of this happening. This is, to me, this was the first time you have had. That was caught forced, on camera. Caught on camera, and you had been forced because honestly, you couldn't take your eyes away. It, you don't know what force yeah. was there, but there was some force that was not taking your eyes away. You were forced to sit there and watch for nine minutes. It wasn't nine, seven or nine minutes. We watched a man's like soul leave his body. You know, you had, yeah. you had to watch it. You literally had to watch somebody like you and somebody nonchalantly do that to him within a power of authority with somebody who everybody tells you you should feel safe around. You were forced to sit there and like just take it in. And you had to feel that. Yeah. Literally... As a black person, I felt as if somebody 
ripped off the band-aid from my ancestral whip marks on my back and then went and proceeded yeah. to squeeze a lemon or lime on it and then proceeded to throw salt on it and then told me and then showed me a picture of it showed it to me and was like here bitch sorry and then somebody will literally proceeded to say here bitch <laughs> here's a reminder <laughs> nothing changed yeah here's how country <laughs> feels about you and that's literally what it felt like so now like literally we're all just like oh we're back in we felt free we felt a little bit we felt a little comfortable as like at least for me as a millennial like we felt a little comfortable to be a little bit free a little bit expressive um instead yeah. of like you know instead of instead of me attributing um black to everything i do now i'm attributing donovan and who donovan is to everything that i do but now it feels like no can't do that like now i gotta protect myself even way more and like restrict that other part to to now bring about the safety of everybody that i love who looks like um no definitely i agree that's something i struggled with as well like mm -hmm. it's like yes you are black but also like you are you and you isn't contingent on your skin color but in a certain way, right. it almost it's like if you if people are being abused because of their skin color or if your people are being abused because of your skin color, there's almost a sense of like feeling the need to. I guess show that you are a part of this group more so you it's such a weird thing. So you feel like you there's almost a need to be like. Yes, I am black and yes, like address the fact that you're black and also like be I guess really pro black in order to in order to show that yes, this is what I am and this is what I have pride in. You know what I mean? Like a sense of like you have to show pride in the fact that you're black because of the fact that there's so many things going against that. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. It it it, it, it shifted our responsibility from being, you know, just from being about us, but to being about all of us. Um, and nothing, mm-hmm. you know, nothing ever, nothing is ever universally applied. You know, I'm not going to say that yeah. every black person felt that burning fire and breathed through their veins, but I think a lot did. And I think it's very clear with a lot, of the, a lot of the protests, a lot of the physical displays of anger, anxiety, angst, <laughs> you know, and just being fed up. And I always tell people whenever whenever it comes to the riots, I've always told people who have asked my opinion, and the only opinion I give based on the riots and everything that happened is that I, as a person, cannot tell somebody how to grieve. Yeah, I have no control. I cannot tell somebody how to control their emotions. I cannot tell somebody what to do with their emotions. I cannot tell why I handle that. People feel a lot of strong things, and they're going about it the only way they feel they feel like they can do to possibly mm-hmm. subside, you know, this, this anger. Um, and real in reality, the only way to subside somebody's anger when they're feeling like a strong actions are to give them the thing that will relieve their emotions. And if it's something that's been taken away from them, you have to give them something else in return to make them feel as though it was taken away from them. You know it, you see it. And even though you can't bring that back, you can provide something um, in opposition to show them that you care and that you understand. And literally, in the case of George Floyd, you gotta you gotta put them the people who killed him in jail. There's like, and literally, there's only one way. Same thing about 
and <clears throat> yeah justice needs to happen now right um so and when we go back when these black and brown children not children i said children <laughs> that's they're, they're going to be in ages um when these black and brown students go back to their universities and their institutions and they look at their access, they look at their availability on campus, they look at each other, I think they're going to feel something and then it's going to be a big charge to the university and how they handle and how they um, and how they take care of their students. Um, and <clears throat> it's just going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a lot and i'm there's, there's a part of me that i'm glad that i'm not there for it mm-hmm. um but also there's i i have a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts about basically everything going down but i don't know if these thoughts and opinions would be perceived correctly one and two it's just it's so heavy. Yes. Yep. And <laughs> I've, so one of the biggest things I've been talking to like, um, people that I've known, right. Especially the black ones, yeah. especially black people that I know, um, Hispanic, Latino, um, I've yeah. been telling them that it is important for people around us to understand what we're going through. But mm-hmm. one, two things, one, Pay attention to the words that you use and the way that you're expressing those words. Because mm-hmm. you have to say things in such a way that it can literally not be confused with a message that you're trying to say. Right? Yeah. Because that's literally the root of so much of our problems that we say certain things and we say such blanket statements. And I always say the blanket statement that um let's say uh you know, even when we say like Let's say vert for both both sides, right? When I hear black people say like, "Yo, white people are racist," and yeah. when I hear um, black people say like, "You know, they don't like us," and, yeah, white people say they don't like us, right? No, like black people say like, "You know, why why do I care? They don't like us." Oh, okay, why yeah. they don't like us? Gotcha, right. gotcha. Um, and I will listen to these blanket statements, and I say, I think that you need to. This is the second part. You need to discern, right? We need to practice, and I think we need to start charging our peers with practicing discernment. Because when we talk about mm-hmm. people, we talk about the type of when we talk about these um, people, we, we shouldn't be using generalized statements because somebody's going to get offended thinking they're talking about them. It's like you know, black people yeah. like um, you know, I hear a lot of black women just generally say niggas ain't shit, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, just an example, and not everybody, not all of them, not all of them. And see, that's that's my discernment showing. Like I'm literally saying. Not all of them say that, but I've heard some black women say that niggas ain't shit. And that's been such a blanket statement. Yeah. And I've literally heard like men get angry about that. And I, I would tell them, and I said for one to the men, if you don't if you know it doesn't apply to you, don't get mad. And the same thing I say to the women, you don't know who's listening and how they might receive it. So like literally you have to talk about yeah. what niggas aren't shit. You hear me? Like what men are shit, the men who don't take yeah. care of their kids the the deadbeats you know like the one who beat women those are the ones that ain't shit you get me it's not niggas ain't shit it's yeah. niggas ain't shit like <laughs> that, that little, it's, it's some niggas ain't shit right, it's literally that that little that little um mm-hmm. the isolated group so and especially when we're talking about 
racism. We talk about how we feel. We talk about. Wait, this is a this is a side thought. Yeah, real quick, this is a side thought. Sometimes it be the niggas you fuck with ain't shit. Right, it be <laughs> like, the ones you mess with. Like, it don't you be fuck no with. <laughs> and then I, that's where it comes. And yo, it's so much thing to get into. Like being self aware, practicing discernment, being yeah. self aware as a person. Um, and it's just it's just so much things that I need people to start. I would love for people to start practicing in their daily interactions and lives. Like if people can start practicing effective discernment in the things that they say. Um, and mm-hmm. the way that they receive things, then I think for one, we won't be so quick to not only be offended, but people won't be so quick to be offended by things we say, especially when they immediately understand that we're, they're not the ones that we're targeting. We're targeting the ones who actually commit the acts that we're talking about, you know, and we're specifically yes. mentioning who these people are, what they do, possibly what they look like, and step by step about how they go about it. And then you as a person will receive that and be like, I know I don't do that, so I already know they're not talking about it. And then boom. So in that way, literally, immediately, you have a solid group of people that just immediately won't get offended by what you're saying. Because I already know who you are. Most definitely. Right. So, and and that's the only, mm-hmm. that's really my only advice for, like, especially a lot of students going back to college, is that when you go on these, especially student leaders, when you go on these podiums, when you're speaking in front of a group of 10, 15, 30, 20, 30, you know, maybe even 50 in an auditorium, when you're speaking in front of these students and possibly staff and faculty um, had yeah. leaders within within the um within the institution. Mm-hmm. Be specific. Be very careful, um, because what you're not trying to do is you're not trying to pick a fight. You're trying to teach. Um, yeah, and you're trying to teach internally and externally. You're trying to teach to those who look like you and teach those who don't look like mm-hmm. you. And you can't talk to the two groups the same way. You really can't. <laughs> and it, it, as long as you're conscious about that approach, and it's hard, and this is why I say not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody has a teacher, and being a teacher is a very hard job because literally trying to talk to different groups is like trying to learn different languages. And most definitely, <laughs> like code switch, the term code switching exists for a exactly. reason. Exactly. And the most effective teachers are the ones who can convey, um, can, can get, convey a message in 20 different ways so that 20 different kinds of people will understand it the same way. So Most that that's really the, one of the biggest things I charge to um, my black, and I don't say black students, my black leaders, the ones who are in these, one who will take up the um, mic and the, the front podium and speak on behalf yeah. of their own and what they look like. Um, and I, and hopefully I, I, um, I would hope to charge that to our white counterparts who do um, notice these things, and even though they might not be fully educated on what's going on, even if they are, but um, they can they know how to teach the ones who aren't fully educated about what's going on in a way that yeah. won't make them feel targeted. Because sometimes you really, really, we're not here to, there's a lot of people that shouldn't be targeted because they're not involved in that particular fight. Um, but you just want yeah. them to understand where you're coming from because once they feel targeted, they don't, once people feel targeted, they don't listen. That's really it. Um, yeah, and it almost it's almost worse because then they start to view themselves as a martyr in their own minds. Right. So it's like I'm fighting for this specific thing because, and this is what I believe in. But these people are going, these people are anti what I believe in. But I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. And then you, that's why I always say you do not want to make a person the other, because mm-hmm. once you make them the other, bro, now they have to right. fight. Now, now the other has become like their. 
their being. It's become who they exactly. are internally. Exactly. And it's like now you're having them protect some bullshit that they may have not even believed from the jump, but now you force them to kind of stick by it. Exactly. And it's it I, I've noticed that in a lot of people that I talk to, like equals run, like even even you, like I've mm-hmm. noticed it in in when within your speech, very careful. Right? And I yeah. notice it I notice it in, Sometimes. When I'm joking around I'll say whatever. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but know, like and, and, when it when it's in like all seriousness, right. I'll I try to be like, very specific what I say. Which we're comfortable and we know like we're around people who won't miscontrol you saying I don't really care what I'm saying because yeah. I know that you're not gonna receive it in any type of way than how I want you to receive it. Um even yeah. if you don't, I know that you know me enough and you care about me enough to ask me like, yo, what do you mean? I'll ask. Right. But like yeah. and I think we need to do more of that. Right. Yeah. And but to other people I think we immediately we have to try our best and do our best, especially as educated people um, within these spaces, to prevent that misunderstanding from ever happening. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect all the time. I'm not saying the way I speak and what I'm preaching is the most perfect way to go about it. But I do believe that it can solve so much miscommunication and so much misunderstandings um, as we encounter yeah. these spaces, especially these P- PWI spaces. Um, yeah. So for you, when it comes to your mind, when it comes to thinking about, yo, was college worth it? Would I do this again? What would your answer be and why? Um, honestly, if I could go back to college with some of the knowledge, at least not even all of it, just some of the knowledge that I have, mm-hmm. you know, I would go again. Mm-hmm. Um, would I do it again as, a, as an adult and a conscious person? Um, if I had money, yes, <laughs> because I'm definitely not <laughs> in adding more loans. But and in terms of college being worth it, I think it was definitely worth it. Taught, college taught me some irreplaceable um, and so many uh, important things that, like, I just I don't know who I would be without having the experiences I've had at college. I do think. College expensive, but I mean, we did. I did go to a public university, and which you know, it was definitely cheaper than a lot of them. Um, and within, I know people who have three times what I have, three times what I have to pay back, sometimes four times. And it's <laughs> yeah. so, I'm not complaining. Um, ideally, and the re- especially why I think it's worth it is because I don't think, on based on my ed- the education I got, I don't think the education I got won't pay back what I had, what I have, you know, what I have to pay. I think it, I think I got it in something that will allow me to pay back my loans and be able to live comfortably and happily, especially with putting in some extra work and putting a little bit extra work as an adult. Um, socially, yeah, definitely worth it. Um, friendships that will never go away. Um, people that will always look out for me and I'll always look out for others. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in college that I will never undo. Because yeah, I no, I, I've been there. I needed to make I needed to make them. I needed to do them. I needed to know what it felt like. I needed to know the disappointment that came with it. I needed to know the anger, um, the fear that came with those um, mistakes and situations that I've been put in. That and like I said, college is such a trampoline for those things that you can fall and it will typically bounce you back up straight to where you were when you fell. You guess me, like yeah. College is the place to try all of those things, and you literally pay to do that. You catch me? Like, you pay to be in a space in which 
you kind of have the option to try things, fail, try, fail, try, fail, at least up until your junior year. <laughs> After that, if, <laughs> yeah. you're, if you're still shitting on yeah, yourself, yeah, it's on you. <laughs> if you're still shitting on yourself after junior year, then by God, <laughs> I, I just hope. <laughs> I hope your parents got some savings for you. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Figure that shit out. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for being on. Like, just having this conversation was, this was, as far as this art goes, especially, mm-hmm. this was one of the best conversations I've had. Like, you are a very insightful person. And it was great talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Remotely Social Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And more importantly, I hope that you got a chance to see or hear, better yet, a different perspective. And yeah, again, overall, that's the main goal of this podcast. It's not to be right. It's not to say things that upset people or things that make people happy i guess it's more so just to show the perspectives of how people are feeling about a specific topic and if donovan and i were able to do that for you on this episode then that is a one it's definitely what i'm looking to do and if i was able to do that that's great but enough of that if you want to keep in touch with remotely social and see what's going on get some updates see a little bit more content Follow that Instagram at remotely social pod. That's remotely social pod. I'll say it one more time for you, just in case you didn't hear me. That's remotely social pod. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for your listening. It is much appreciated until next week. Peace. <laughs>